Um, I don't know how many of you guys, or I know all of you guys have had conflict. I don't know how often you end up in conflict with different people over different things. But the Bible has a lot to say about how we handle conflict. We started talking about it a couple weeks ago, but I wanted to continue because I didn't make it all that far. We learned, if you weren't here, that we all deal with conflict. We learned to avoid unnecessary conflict, that love overlooks an offense. If it's not worth it, let it go. And I'm not going to start singing. Uh, Deal with it now. We learn to let things um, go that aren't necessary, but if it's going to cause a problem, if it's going to fester, don't let anger sit. Don't sit there stewing over things that people, people did. If there's a problem, take the time to address it, not to let anger sit inside you. When you do, it rots you from the inside out. And we learned to keep the, the circle of offense as small as possible. A lot of times we get into uh, some kind of a conflict with somebody. We'll just use Josh for an example. So I was to get into a conflict with Josh, and I was mad at Josh. We'll make up some reason. Um, no, he said something mean. So Josh said something mean. I'm mad at Josh. And so rather than dealing with Josh, a lot of times people will come up to the next the person closest to them and go, can you believe what Josh did? Josh is such a jerk. Josh said this, and I think he's a jerk. And they go, wow, that does sound like a jerk. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can't believe it. And then you walk over here, like, Jordan, did you hear much of a jerk Josh was? Josh did this, this. And then I get a couple of people mad. And then later I'm talking to Josh, and Josh is like, you seem angry. Is there a reason? Yes, because you're a jerk, and you said this, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Or, you know what? It's not what I meant. Sorry it came out like that. Sorry, hey, you interrupted the middle of a conversation, and that, you kind of missed out on the context and the direction of that, or, you know what? I was just wrong, and I'm sorry. You know what? I forgive you. I feel better. He's like, sweet, we're friends again. What happens to these guys? A lot of times we spread this offense and then we finally get healing, but we've left this wake of devastation when we let offense spread. And we learned that Jesus said, when you have something against your brother, go to them alone. Deal with it. He says, if they refuse to listen, if they refuse and just don't want to listen, don't want to change, he says, go get your brother. a brother, and go together. Then it says to go to the church. And then, it sa- then he said, if they still don't care, treat them like an unbeliever. Um, love them and don't worry about the fact that they're making stupid choices. We just acknowledge that they are doing things that are going to destroy their life. Um, on the whole concept of keeping the circle of offense small, we'll come our first point, it's kind of a sub-point from that, but of tonight. There is great danger in venting. Anyone ever vent when they're upset? Okay, most people vent when they're upset. The question is who they vent to. Some people, they like get in, the, in their car and they just vent to like their rearview mirror. Like they're driving, I can't believe them! Stupid people are breeding! And like they go on their rant and they just yell and complain about whatever someone did. And there are others who, who get home and they're like, Rufus, I can't believe what they did. Um, and they, they sit there and they complain to their dog. Um, now, your, your mirror in the car, probably a safe place to vent. Rufus, probably a good place to vent. Uh, 
But the problem is a lot of times we vent to somebody and we don't realize that while we're venting, we're changing the way that they see people. Um, my wife had to work on this because when we first got married, she'd have an encounter with somebody and she would be very annoyed. And so she would tell me the story. And the problem, part of the problem with venting is a lot of times when you're really upset, rather than telling the story the way it happened, you tell the story the way you felt like it happened. And so, like, everything gets exaggerated and how incredibly stupid their, their move was and what they said. And it's like, it's huge. And then you'll hear someone say something. I don't know if you've ever been in this conversation. They're like, I, they did this, they did this. And I was like, and you hear them, you're like, you said that? Like, well, no, but I thought about it, or I wanted to. That's what I was thinking. Um, the problem is that when, when we're, we're venting like this, that these words go deep into the person that we're talking to. These words begin to shape the way. And my wife learned that when she was venting, she had to say, this is not all going to be accurate. This is me venting. And just needed to decompress. And when I know that she's venting, I know that things didn't happen exactly th this way, that her emotions are stirred up, and it's my job to help her let those emotions out and calm down. But when you just vent and you just speak, we don't realize that our words still have consequences. Um, Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I don't know how many of you guys like swords. I like swords. I have lots of them. I wanted to play with one of my favorite ones tonight, but they took it to camp, so I'll have to play with this one instead. Big Bertha's at camp. Yeah, Big Bertha. That's my four-foot claymore. Um, that sword is awesome. When you swing that sword, whatever it runs into breaks. Um, the perks of having seven foot of steel um, cut and welded and, um, into something awesome. But, Swords are great. Now, if I just start swinging this around because I like swords, if I was to start walking into the crowd, you know what would probably happen? Um, probably one of the first few people over here would have a problem because I would probably come in contact with their body. Now, when I did, would it matter how intentional it was? Would the pain sit here and go, did you mean to stab me or was it an accident? Because I'm deciding whether or not I should bleed. Like, you don't sit there and go, well, if you meant it, I'm going to bleed all over. But if it was an accident, it's not going to count. If I just swing this sword, it's legit. Um, it's solid. It's going to hurt. It's going to break things. And it doesn't care how intentional it was. And it says that our words are that way. I was, I'll tell you that story later. I was talking to someone a while back, and they, they were angry, and they were just spouting stuff, and so we're like, you know, um, hey, you, you shouldn't just be spouting stuff, you shouldn't be talking like that, and they're like, it's a free country, man, I got a freedom of speech. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's okay. 
Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. And I was just kind of shocked. I'm like, all right, you realize that I don't care if the government's going to hold you responsible for those words. God is. And how you speak counts. But even in our country where we like value and we have this like, all right, look, we have an amendment to tell you that you have the freedom of speech. What happens when they arrest somebody? They also remind them, you have the right to remain silent. Because, you know why? Bingo. You now... Someone's too familiar with those. Um, we're going to say you like you enjoy cop shows. You just enjoy cop shows. All right, but here, here's the point. Even in our country, we recognize that when you speak, you may have the right to speak, but the things you say can be held against you. The things you say still have an effect. And a lot of times in conflict, we speak without thinking very clearly. We speak because we're angry but those words still hurt. So this next point is pretty um, logical. Be slow to speak. A lot of people get in trouble by talking too quick. Proverbs 18, verse 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. This is really common and really frustrating. And I could point out a lot of people who've done it to me, and I was really annoyed and really angry. But rather than point out all the stupid people I've come in contact with, I will point out some of my own stupidity. Um, so I probably did this on as grand of a level as anyone I've ever met. Do you want to actually use Facebook? Ever? Ever? Maybe now you've moved on to Twitter, but you used to use it or Instagram or something. Okay. So this is a, a few years back. I was on Facebook, and I kind of use Facebook just a little bit. Um, I'm horrible with it. I don't find my pictures. I update them every year. Um, but, you know, so I don't, I don't use it a whole lot. But I got on there for something, and I, I get out, try to get on there every week to check the messages. And I saw in my, like, news feed, um, it was like a little small picture because it was trying to show everything. And it showed a little baby and looked like a blue blanket, like it was, like, at the hospital and wrapped up. I'm like, sweet, congrats. I knew they were pregnant. I thought they had their baby a while ago. Hmm, must not. Send, send a quick send a message. I'm like, oh, like, I'm going to be, like, considerate, use Facebook. I'm going to send them a congrats. Congrats. Send. And, like, took off with my day. Well, the next time I check my Facebook, so it's probably, like, a week later, maybe longer, um, I show up, and he sent me a message with just congrats, question, question, question. Why do you, why do you can, so I click, I go back to his site and I click on things. I'm like, what was his post? Because I thought I was congratulating him on a new baby. I click on the post and open up that picture. And that picture is not a newborn baby at the hospital. They are at the hospital, but that baby's, uh, at least several months old, I read the message that was with the picture. This guy's a missionary in another country, and he's going through going, my baby's sick, my baby needs medical help, and it's expensive, and we don't have the money. We're asking for financial help so that our baby can get the medical treatment they need. 
I wanted to crawl into a hole and die. <laughs> like, oh, oh. Like, like, there is no way out of, I have inserted my foot in my mouth, chewed, swallowed until my thigh was gone. You're like, oh my word. This is like the worst case of foot and mouth disease. As I spoke, without really reading through, without realizing what I was speaking into, and it caused problems. This happens so often. I still catch myself every once in a while. You hear part of something and you start to answer. You start to butt in and then later you find out there was more details. I just did that with a conversation. I came in and I thought I know what was going on. And I started to speak and then I realized a few minutes later, I'm like, Ugh. oops. Similar situation, but I thought they were talking about somebody else and it changes the dynamics and what I said becomes stupid. Oops. But in conflict... It's one of the spots where human tendency tends to be the quickest to speak. We get emotional, and, it, and you want to just throw things right back. And when we do, uh, it's not good. James chapter 1 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God that God requires. Choose your words carefully. As we're being slow to speak. Once again, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So I was, I forget what I was going to destroy. I've taken Big Bertha, my, my big sword. Um, I was going to smash something with it because it's steel and so I can. And you're like, you just feel cool. You're like, I have this massive four foot sword. I'm getting ready to swing it at something. And so I forget what it was, but I was going to just totally smash it. I think it might have been a desk with Josh. It might, I don't know which time it was. I've done a few different things with it. But I took the sword, and I went up like this to swing it. And when you swing that thing even up, up like this, it's, it doesn't stop. It's like swinging a sledgehammer. It weighs as much as a sledgehammer, but it's a blade. But the hilt, the, like the cross section here, is huge. It sticks out five inches on either side. and about two inches wide. It's a beast. So I get ready to swing it, and I just go, that thing just nailed, the edge of the hilt nailed me in the forehead. I'm like, bam! Oh, my like, I swung it and, like, tried to play it off like I was fine, and you, like, slammed the thing, and then you're like, oh, and I was bleeding. Like, it split my head right here. I'm like, oh, that sucked. <laughs> that was not my intention. Didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out, but... It doesn't matter how well I thought it through. It doesn't matter how much I intended it. Because reckless or intentional swings count the same. It doesn't matter in an argument how much thought you gave into telling someone that you hate them. How much thought you put into telling them that they suck as a parent doesn't matter how much thought you put into it. It still hurts. When you tell them that they suck as a friend, when you tell them... There's so many different things that you can say that are so incredibly hurtful, that are so common in conflict. And then later we go, well, I didn't mean that. 
the Bible tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. And going through going, all right, I will think before I speak. I will not speak in an emotionally charged state. Um, I have three billion points. I'm not going to get to them all. Conflict often becomes very emotional. Has anyone ever gotten emotional in conflict? Some of you guys are like, no, me, never, never, no. I just yelled, screamed, cussed, and threw things. No emotions there. <laughs> Sorry, someone raised their hand. Oh, that's me. Um, <laughs> all right, but, but conflict often becomes highly emotionally charged. Whenever possible, drain the emotion out. Um, be slow, be quick to listen, slow to speak. I had a friend who I was really proud of the other day. He got into a conflict with somebody, and somebody was saying hurtful things, mean things, and they did it. Um, they were spreading him all over the place, but they were also sending him text messages that were um, very hurtful, very mean, emails, and not entirely true either as he started to send these things. And this guy came to me, he goes, I want to hit him. In the face. Very hard. And he goes, what do I do? How do I respond? And he just, he just went like this. He recognized my emotional level at this point is too high for me to make a wise response. Can you drain the emotion out? And so I sat down and he handed me his phone and said, here's what they sent. How do I respond? And so I went through and said, well... First off, we know that this isn't true. We know that this isn't true. We know that this isn't true. So out of this conflict, they're, they're picking out five points. Two of them might have some, some connection to something that's for real. Three of them are just, they're angry and looking to yell. Apologize for you too. Say, what? Said, do you want to have a war? Or do you want to see things resolved? I'll see things resolved. All right, drain the emotion out. And one of the points that I'm not going to go, we'll just skip, forget the notes. All right, so if you can let them save face, go so far. So in this, this conflict, he just goes through, and he, he's like, all right, I'm going to drain the emotion out. Came to somebody else who was going to be emotionless and just go, all right, how do I do this? How do I do this well? So, all right, let them save face. Sit here, apologize for the areas that you came in short. Hey, I'm sorry that this happened. I'm sorry that this wasn't the way that you thought it was going to be. And this is, and, and he did this and responded. And somebody, they came back with some more um, hot-tempered stuff. What do I do now? Well, you can sit here and tell them that they suck. But what happens if someone makes an attack and then you just attack back? War. And as soon as someone attacks... We get defensive. I remember when I was, I don't remember what grade I was in. I was, I was probably in junior high when um, early high school. I don't remember when I was. My memories aren't time stamped. But massive jeans came into style. Like big pant legs. Like, not like parachute pants, like jeans with massive legs. 
And there is, I, I remember thinking I was cool. I got something with like a little bit big legs. But I had, there was a friend of mine and his jeans, like a girl could have put on one of his pair of pant legs and called it a skirt. Like it was literally wide enough for them to get their hips in and, uh, and walk. Like these, these were crazy. And I thought he looked, like, he, honestly, he looked like an idiot. And he did a few other things. He had these jeans that were just so massive. And then he got into some other style and piercings and funk. You know, his, his style looked like an idiot. It's cool at the time. But <clears throat> I realized that he'd gone beyond cool to looking kind of like a clown. Um, but my mom didn't like his style. And I think she was wanting to try to prevent me from ever wanting to go that way. So she decided to attack my friend's um, apparel. I thought he looked like an idiot. My mom expressed bluntly that she thought he looked like an idiot. So you know what I did? Defended him. And I don't, like, I understand that I thought he looked like an idiot, but if you attack my friend, what do I got to do? Defend. And so all of a sudden, it, it created a tension and a conflict when I actually agreed with her. Later you look back, you're like, that's stupid. You're right. But this is the point. If you attack somebody, what are they going to do? Defend. Fight back. If you sit here and go, I'm sorry, I made mistakes too, what are they going to do? What's the worst thing they can do? You're right, you made mistakes. What do they normally do? When, when you sit here and defend your rightness, they feel it's their job to point at all your flaws. When you go, I made mistakes, it becomes much easier to go, yeah, I know, you did make mistakes, but it's okay. And all of a sudden, they, they no longer feel the need to point out and to pound in your mistakes and failures. And when you can de-escalate it, when you can take it and go, it's, I'm going to drain the emotion out, I'm going to let you save face, conflicts begin to melt away. In, is it Chronicles or 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel 25. David meets a man named Fool. Like, literally. His name was Nabal and it means Fool. Like, what kind of mom names their kid, Hi, I'm going to name you Fool. What? <laughs> Feel the love. Like, like, not what they called him. That was his name. Really? So, his mom must not have liked him. But, so, he responds poorly to, to David's messengers and just infuriates them. His wife hears about this and goes, that was not a good idea. So she gets, tells a couple servants, she goes, fix a bunch of food, fix a ton of this, give me some donkeys, I'm going to go meet him. David was so upset he goes back to his men as he hears this and says, everybody, grab your sword, strap it on. And he goes, like, basically, may God kill me if by tomorrow there's one male breathing in his household. We're going to kill them all. And he gets his men, and he begins to march down to, to kill them. She meets him on the way, and if she was to sit here and go, you idiot, what are you doing? You know what would have happened? She would have joined the ranks of the dead. But she comes up to him and goes, Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal, 
his name, and folly is with him. But your servant did not see the young men of my Lord. She goes through, respects him, in spite of the fact he's about to do something stupid. She apologizes and recognizes the fault on their side. And in the end, David goes, thank you. Because it calmed him down. He spared the life of everybody there. And he goes, you just saved everybody's life. Because of your, he, he, he called it because of your wisdom. Because she came through calmly. She de-escalated the situation. In Judges, there's two stories that are almost the same. These armies, there's a, there's a, there's a word for it. Oppressor. There's an army that is oppressing the Israelites. God uses some hero to like save them. An army goes and fights. There's a war. God wins the war. We, first one's Gideon. And when the war is over, there's an entire tribe of Israel that's mad. They go, what did you do going to war without us? What do you think you are? And Gideon goes, oh, I am nothing compared to you. They're like, what? He's like, man, what? Your trash is better than my best stuff. What have I done in comparison to you? And he just builds these guys up who came to pick a fight. And they go, okay, okay. And they go home. A couple chapters later, same new guy, same story. They come up and they, they're like, what did you do going to war without him? And he just goes, you suck. You want to fight? Let's fight. They have a war. 42,000 Israelites die. Why? Because he was too proud to do what Gideon did. And to let them save face. And it cost and destroyed. And in our lives, if we do it, if we're like, well, it's all about me. Let me defend how right I am, how cool I am. Let me show everybody how wrong they are. It will destroy and kill relationships. We want to be, we want to keep the circle of offense small. We want to be slow to speak. We want to drain the emotion out of it. And we want to let them save face. Admit our mistakes and let them save face. And we'll maybe do the rest of the points later. But God has so much to say about everything that we do because God cares. Because God loves us. He wants a relationship with us. If you're here and say, you know what, I don't have a relationship with this God that cares about the things I deal with. But I'd like one. I want to give you a chance to make God the Lord of your life. If everyone bow their heads and close their eyes. That's you. Say, that's me. That's me. I want to make Jesus my Lord. I want him to come in and to wash my sins away. I want to know that I'm right with God. I'm away to heaven. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. One, two, Three, raise it up nice and high. That's me. Awesome. 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 Who else is? That's me. Awesome. The most important decision that anybody ever makes. So while everyone's got their heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and repeat after me. If you've done this before, you can go ahead and join us. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Awesome. Give them a real big hand. If you made that decision, it is the greatest decision of your life. We'd love to follow up with you. We've got some stuff we want to give you. Find a leader after service. We've got some things to give you. I want to be praying for you. You guys are dismissed.